I brought with me today my fidget friend. That's what this is called, is a fidget friend. It's a little uh, robot that relates to you. It's Beatrice's, she lent it to me for today. So let me, let me show you how it works. She just asked me what I want to do now, and I have a few choices. Chat. I want to chat. <laughs> chat. <laughs> you know, if I have a friend that I have to look square in the face and say the same thing two, three times without, without them responding, I'm going to wonder what kind of friend it is. <laughs> I'm not sure that this is relational as we had hoped. I have no problem with technology, and for those of you that work for IBM, hopefully that makes you feel a little better. I have no problem with technology except that it can, it can if we relate to it too often, it can mess up our own understanding of who we are. Yesterday when I was talking with my fidget friend, she asked me how I was feeling, and she gave me two options, happy or sad. I said, indifferent. And she didn't know what to do with that. When we relate to things, we know who we are. And if we find ourselves relating to various computers, it can limit who we are and our understanding of ourselves. But the reverse is also true. As we're in relationship with one another and in relationship with God, we come to know who we are. Consider our readings for this morning. In our lesson from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he addresses the church that's in Corinth and reminds them in his introduction of who they all are, that they are all sanctified in Jesus Christ, and that they are part of this group of people whose lives have been changed because of the Messiah. The same is true in our gospel lesson. In John's gospel, we are being introduced to who Jesus is. John, who is out in the wilderness, has followers who have come to learn from him. And John, when he sees Jesus, tells his followers, that's who I'm talking about. That's the one I've been telling you about. And they, upon hearing this, follow Jesus. Jesus asks them what they're looking for. And when they say, we want to know where you're staying, Jesus invites them to come and to be in relationship with him. And it is in that relationship that Andrew discovers who Jesus is. He's the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one who has come into the world to save. And so Andrew goes to his, his brother, Simon, and tells him, I have found the Messiah. You must come and see. Now perhaps you remember from another scripture reading, if you've been in church a significant amount of time in your life, that there's another passage of scripture in which we hear Jesus ask his followers, who do people say that I am? And they go through a list of prophets, primarily, or teachers. And then Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? And that takes place in Luke's gospel. It's in Luke's gospel that Peter says, you are the Messiah, the one who has come into the world to save the world. We know who we are in relationship. And we know whose we are in relationship. That's why we actually care about our relationships. We think about the people that we relate to. You know that there are folks that bring out the best in you and you like to be with them. 
and you know that there are people that bring out the worst in you and you don't like to be with them. We understand ourselves in relationship. And we also understand ourselves in relationship with God. Tomorrow, we will be remembering Martin Luther King Jr. and the work that he did during his life. And the thing, one of the things I think that made him so influential is that he reminded people of who they are. In his talks and in his writings, he reminded people who they are. One of his writings is called Strength to Love, and he does a long passage on what it means to love your enemy. Well, anyone who has read scripture and says, oh yeah, that's what I do, I practice living out this scripture, if you hear the instruction to love your enemy, there's a call on you. And so Christians did hear Martin Luther King Jr. speak, and they were reminded of who they are. And many said, i got to rethink this how I'm carrying on in the world. It is in relationship that we know who we are and we know whose we are. It's a challenge, though, sometimes to talk about our relationships, especially the ones that are closest to us. Perhaps many of you know that I grew up in Kentucky, the daughter of a Methodist minister. We always lived in rural areas of Kentucky. And in the South, pretty much, by default, you're Southern Baptist. Unless you claim to be something else, that's what you are. And everyone has a church that they're somehow affiliated with. Unlike in the Episcopal Church, where you have folks who come only on Christmas and Easter, in the Southern Baptist Church, you have people that come on Easter and Revival. So they show up for those two times a year, and that's when you know for sure what your church, which church is your church. Well, there's a big emphasis in evangelical churches about introducing people to Christ and there is an outline for that talk and how it should go and it starts something like helping the person realize what a bad person they are their sinfulness and their wrongdoings and that with this trajectory they're bound for hell and so in light of that wouldn't you like to receive Jesus as your savior I don't mean to make light of it but in a most simplified way that's the outline of the story and I always had trouble with that outline. I didn't really know how to start it. And so I didn't do anything much with this emphasis in my environment to let people know who Jesus was and is and to develop a relationship with him. But I knew what it was to have a relationship. I just didn't know how to talk about it. One day, my senior year, I'm in history class and everyone is coming together and sitting in their seats and the person in front of me is turned around and we're talking and he says to me Whitney why are you so happy and I said I don't know it was about that time that our attention was called to the front of the class and we began the class but I thought to myself I do know though I do know where that joy is that's in me and it has to do with God, but I don't even know how to talk about that. But I do know, God, that if it ever comes up again, I promise I'll say something. Well, two or three weeks later, I'm in homeroom class, and I'm talking with the person across the aisle, and she says to me, so Whitney, why are you so happy? And I think, oh no. <laughs> 
I said I would say something. The question is exactly like the other question was. I can't even claim ignorance here. So I said, God. <laughs> and she said, really? And I'm like, yeah. She said, oh. And that was the end of the conversation. It is hard to find our language to talk about this relationship, this relationship with the one who has come to save us. But we have to practice it. And each of us has our own language. You're not going to sound like me, and you're not going to sound like the person next to you because you have your own words. You have your own way of talking about things. The point is we have to develop this language. We have a friend in Jesus. That's a hymn that I knew growing up in the Methodist tradition. I'm sure the Southern Baptists sang it too. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our grief and sin to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We are offered a relationship in Jesus. It's a hallmark of our Christian faith that God was manifest in Christ. We have a person who lived in history who related to people that we relate to even 2,000 years later. Our challenge is to know how to talk about it but we do have language for this, even as Episcopalians. You can see it in the prayer book. In fact, get out the prayer book, because I'm going to show you. <laughs> if you look in the front part, page 230, you see that we have collects assigned for every Sunday. These are the prayers that we pray after I say, the Lord be with you, and you say, and also with you, and I say, let us pray. Then we pray the prayer that's assigned for that specific Sunday. And if you see on page 230, you'll see how it is that we have a relationship. Look at proper seven. Make us have perpetual love, O Lord, and reverence for your holy name, for you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. You can't be governed by something that's not in a relationship. You can't be helped by something that's not a relationship. Or look at proper 11 on the next page. You know our necessities before we ask and our ignorance in asking. Have compassion on our weakness and mercifully give us those things which for our unworthiness we dare not or cannot ask. Compassion. We heard it in the psalm this morning. Mercy. These are part of a human relationship. My fidget friend doesn't have compassion, but our God does. We are challenged to find our language for talking about this relationship. So imagine, if you will, you're in the gospel story. You're standing there with your teacher. And someone comes into his view and he says, that's the person I was talking about. That's the person I was telling you about. And you go to follow. Jesus turns around and says, what are you looking for? Um, 
we just wanted to know, teacher, where you're staying. Perhaps we can come and meet you there and learn from you. We just wanted your contact information. Maybe if you could give us your card. We don't want to bother you now, but we thought we might follow up a little later. And Jesus says, don't wait. Come and see. Now. Come and see. God has been manifest in Christ, and we are invited to come and see. Amen.